Today on The Journey with Steve DeWitt, a lesson on living in joy. Christian, you got to choose joy. And nobody's going to make that choice for you. It is your perspective on your life through the grid of your faith and your connection to Jesus Christ and his promises and his nourishment and his joy. And he guarantees that we will remain connected to him forever. Welcome to The Journey with Steve DeWitt. At times, it might seem as if everything's working against us to keep us from finding joy. But today on The Journey, Pastor Steve DeWitt reminds us that our quest for joy is not a fruitless endeavor. Instead, God actually invites us to be full of His own joy. It's the conclusion of a message called, Joy is a Gospel Fruit. And you can listen to the full message online at thejourney.fm. Now here's Pastor Steve teaching us how to receive joy from a joyful God. John 15, 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. We live in a remarkably cynical and depressed time. And obviously this verse is about joy. Boy, if there was ever a joy, listen now, if there was ever a joy, a kind of durable joy, an enduring joy, boy, that would, that would be something people would go for. And that is why today's message is entirely on the subject of joy, and specifically the joy that Jesus, through the gospel, provides to those who are connected to him. This little verse tucked into a long teaching section by Jesus hours before he dies. And right there, we have a pretty good sense of the kind of joy that Jesus had, a kind of joy that on his deathbed, if you will, what is he talking about? Happiness, gladness. That's the kind of joy I'd like to have. So we're talking about Jesus' joy here and how we access it, how we can live with it and buy it. And what I want you to see, first of all, that the joy that Jesus provides is a remaining joy. Connection to Jesus, friends, makes joy possible, okay? Possible. It doesn't mean that you're always joyful, or if you're not joyful, you're not a Christian. What it does mean is that a genuinely connected branch to Jesus has the possibility of living according to the joy of Jesus. Disconnection from Jesus makes unhappiness guaranteed. Creation displays that God is a happy God. He infuses it with his own joy in being God. And scripture as well declares and shows the happiness of God. And then, of course, we have God's own delight in his son. Do you remember what God the Father thunders from heaven at the baptism of his son. Out from heaven comes, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. You see there the gladness of the Godhead between the father and the son. He is a glad God. He is a happy God. The God that you worship and serve, Christian, delights in being God and delights in you. 
And all of these are speaking to an essential quality of God. He is, he is happy. Get that into your theology. It has a way of uplifting you, just thinking about God being happy. What a help that is. But the focus here, though, from John 15 is not so much the gladness and the joy of the triune God as it is Jesus' joy specifically. As Jesus is the eternal Son of God, his nature, sharing nature with God the Father, God the Father is a happy God the Father, which means that Jesus must also be a very happy God the Son. Did you know that Scripture tells us that joy was a primary motivation for Jesus in his life, ministry, and his death. Here is Hebrews 12, verse two. Get this. Looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, do you get that? The joy that was set before him, what did he do? He endured the cross. He despised its shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Think about Jesus. There he is in the Garden of Gethsemane. He's praying, Father, if there's any way for this to be taken from me, may it be so, but your will be done. And as he psychologically processed the call of God upon him to go and to bear our sin and guilt, that there in the Gethsemane, he thought about the joy on the other side of it. And the joy that he knew was his motivated him to endure the cross and its shame and to bear your guilt and mine on the cross. He did it for a lot of reasons, but one is he did it for joy. He did it for his own joy and to share his joy with us. And that provided a kind of steadfastness in his suffering. And when you realize this, it makes what he says in John 15, 11, utterly profound. These things I have spoken to you, get it now, that my joy may be in you. The same joy that motivated him at Gethsemane, that, that, that endured him as he hung on the cross, that same joy he wants in his disciples. And if you're a disciple today, that includes you. That same Jesus joy accessed by faith, connection with Jesus, nourishing us in the ups and downs of our lives as well. You look at that and you say, you mean this unquenchable fountain of his joy in me? The same character of joy as Jesus? And what I want you to realize here is now that this joy that I'm talking about is not a joy that is derived from perpetual pleasing circumstances in life. He didn't derive it from circumstances. This is a kind of joy. It's not a fleeting kind of joy. Jesus' kind of joy is joy that is provided in the hardest things of life, in the Calvary roads of life, in the hard things of life. It is this joy that we access like Jesus accessed, that allows us gladness, not sadness, in the hard things of life. Suffering often clears the deck of our hearts from all the other things that we look to to provide happiness to us. Let's be honest. 
Typically, it's not suffering unless it's something that we care a lot about. Our health, our family, our uh, career or whatever. We care about these things because we seek to derive meaning and happiness from them. And when we suffer, these are the things that are under duress. And God often clears the deck of our lives, the inner architecture of our emotional hearts and souls from those things. And there, naked of those things, we discover something that has always been true, but that the suffering reveals. And that is that there is still for the Christian joy. Might that not be why God brings suffering into our lives, right? And what does that suffering do? It causes us to turn and press into our faith in a way that when everything's awesome, we never would do it. And so God, in his incredible care for us, prunes us and uses hard things so that we might not be less joyful, but more joyful. And maybe that's you here today. You think, God doesn't like me. Like my daughters might think, you know, when, when I'm disciplining them, daddy doesn't like me. No, I love them so much that I am for their greater joy. And this thing needs to be pruned for them to have greater joy. And you today, enduring some hard thing, may easily misinterpret what God the Father is doing in your life. He doesn't want less fruit. He wants more. He doesn't want less joy. He wants more joy in your life. In fact, it's so that our joy may be full. Okay? That our joy may be full. Again, let's remember, what is joy? Joy is gladness in God despite, no matter, life circumstances. Okay? It's not circumstantial. Jesus' joy didn't need pleasing circumstances, and ours don't either. But what he is doing here is he is bringing greater joy. Joy may be full. His tank is full. He wants our tank to be full, and it can be. And I can hear some of you right now going, well, I sort of like this sermon about being joyful, and yeah, I sort of wish I had more of that, but I haven't heard a practical thing to help me yet. When's he going to get around to the application? Well, I'm there now, okay? So all you sad people, start listening. <laughs> How do we get there? Here's the one thing. Since joy is a command, it means it's a choice. We think that joy is a kind of passive thing where all of a sudden I discover I'm happy. And something has happened in my life. You know, we, life brings along some sort of, you know, happy thing, sort of payday happiness. Your, your team wins kind of happiness. You know, there's things along the way that we're kind of like, oh, I feel a little bit better. But then the next day, how do we feel? Same old, same old, right? We're not talking about that kind of passive joy, you approach it that way, and you're always going to find reasons not to have joy because in a broken world, there's always things that stink. You can always be unhappy if you want to be. And here's one thing. We all know people where their not joy is also a choice. They're choosing sadness. So don't look to life to derive 
Joy, but get this, joy is a command in Scripture. Where is it at? Here's one example. Here's Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Command rejoicing? Are you crazy? You can't command joy? That's the passive approach. What I am urging is active joy. Realizing that your own experience, if you are a Christian, your own experience of joy is a choice that you and I make every single day. It is a perspective on my life, a choice that we make. And I don't know if I would say it's a sin not to be joyful, but for a Christian, it certainly is spiritual dysfunction. Notice that it says we are to rejoice in the Lord. It doesn't say we rejoice in the cancer. It doesn't say we rejoice in the job loss. It doesn't say that we rejoice in the, in the hard thing in the family or whatever it might be. No, I am rejoicing in the Lord. I am rejoicing in my relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so for this, I'm suggesting that we need to think like a branch. Okay, I'm going back to my, the metaphor biting the branches here. Think like a branch, a branch could say, this is a gloomy day, but boy, am I glad I'm connected to the vine. This world is off the rails. I'm so glad I'm connected to the vine. Here's, here's the point. Happy branches think a lot about their connection to the vine. Unhappy branches think about what's going on on the end of the branch. That's why I got this here, okay? You probably saw it sitting here. You're wondering, what is this about? Okay, so here's the vine. Here's us, okay? And what I am urging all of us to do is to realize that for me to have the joy of Jesus, my perspective has to be, I derive my joy that I am connected to the vine. This is the gospel. This is the cross, these are the promises of God. This is the reality of eternal life. This is the presence of the Holy Spirit in my life. These are all the gifts and the goodness of God in my life. That's all right here. And a joyful branch is going to look at life through the grid of, of this, okay? I'm looking, I'm like this. That is active joy. Passive joy doesn't look this way. It looks this way. And life is lived out here, right? This is where the leaves are. And when it's windy out here, it's like going like that. And that's how our life feels a lot. We're like this. Everything's in turmoil and, and everything's moving and shaking and nothing feels solid except down here. It's just like, you know, strongly connected. Out here, it's going wild. Active, active joy this way. Passive joy looks to life circumstances. And what I'm urging you, Christian, if you are connected to the vine, is to stop looking this way and every day choose to view your day through the grid of this spot right here. And practically speaking, this means that I so value my connection to Jesus that things can be going crazy out here, but I am rejoicing in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I'm so glad that I am in him. 
Now, here's the good news from Philippians 4. Paul doesn't say live a kind of life where joy overwhelms you all the time. I don't know anybody like that. That is certainly not my experience as a Christian. No, passive joy waits for that favorable outcome and is inevitably sad. A Christian derives their meaning and purpose and significance from the relationship with Jesus. And because that connection is guaranteed, get this, guaranteed by the power and the promise of God, that means that I always have access to the joy of Jesus in the midst of my windy day. And oftentimes, friends, that is a matter of choosing. Joy is a command, which means that joy is a choice. And I wonder if tomorrow on Monday, you can choose to get up in that day to face the challenges that you have tomorrow through the grid of what you discovered was true today, that you are connected to Jesus Christ. What a difference that can make. So joy is an act of faith and obedience in which I choose to find my satisfaction in my relationship to the vine. Between services, we have a young woman here, dear Christian woman, you see her every week in her wheelchair. Between services, here she comes. She literally almost ran me over. And I turn around, and here is this beaming face looking at me. I so needed that sermon today. And the look on her face, I don't know that she did, frankly. She showed up at church joyful. And to think about the circumstances of her dear life and the joy that she has in spite of it is exactly what I'm talking about. Praise God for her. We are not victims. We are choosers. What choice are you going to make this week? How are you going to view the challenges of this week? Are you going this way? Are you going this way? Is this the most significant thing in your life? Now, I'm going to give you another example. This comes from Tim Hansel's book, You Got to Keep Dancing. He tells about a former pastor who later in life suffers from cancer. And now I begin the quote. Besides suffering from the pain, he was so embarrassed about how the cancer had scarred his appearance, he wouldn't go out. Then one day he was given, you got to keep dancing, this book, in which I tell of my long struggle with the chronic intense pain from a near-fatal climbing accident. In that book, I told of the day when I realized that the pain would be with me forever. At that moment, I made a pivotal decision. I knew that it was up to me to choose how I responded to it. So I chose joy. After reading a while, the elderly pastor said he put the book down thinking, he's crazy. I can't choose joy. So he gave up on the idea. Then later he read in John 15, 11, that joy is a gift. Jesus says, I want to give you my joy so that your joy may be complete. A gift, he thought. He didn't know what to do, so he got down on his knees. Then he didn't know what to say, so he said, well then, Lord, give it to me. And suddenly, as he described it, this incredible hunk of joy came from heaven and landed on him. I was overwhelmed, he wrote. It was like the joy talked about in Peter, a joy unspeakable and full of glory. I didn't know what to say, so I said, turn it on, Lord, turn it on. And before he knew it, he was dancing around the house. 
And this astonishing change happened at the age of 82. He just had to get out. So much joy, he couldn't stay cooped up. So he went out to the local fast food restaurant and got a burger. A lady saw how happy he was and asked, how are you doing? He said, oh, I'm wonderful. Is it your birthday, she asked. No, honey, it's better than that. Your anniversary? Better than that. Well, what is it, she asked excitedly. It's the joy of Jesus. Do you know what I'm talking about? The lady shrugged and answered, no, I have to work on Sundays. Kind of a funny ending there, but you get the point. Christian, you gotta choose joy. And nobody's gonna make that choice for you. It is your perspective on your life through the grid of your faith and your connection to Jesus Christ and his promises and his nourishment and his joy. And he guarantees that we will remain connected to him forever. Think about Paul, for example, who says these light and momentary trials are achieving for us a glory that far outweighs them all. That's what I'm talking about. I think about the old hymn I grew up singing, when upon life's billows you are tempest-tossed, when you are discouraged, thinking all is lost. Count your many blessings, name them one by one, and it will surprise you what the Lord has done. There's a path to joy. All of these saying exactly the same thing. It is a gospel perspective on life. It is an active choosing to view life through the grid of the gospel. It is joy despite life circumstances. And friend, this assumes, by the way, that you're actually connected to the vine. This assumes that you're a Christian. This is only true for Christians. If you've never known the joy of salvation, if you've never known the joy of Jesus as your savior, perhaps that's the step for you today, not to choose joy, but choose to trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and to get connected to the vine, and to have the joy accessible in your life, I would urge you to do that today. But if you're a Christian, I want you to take a deep breath and choose to see your life defined by your connection to the vine. Not by your struggling marriage, not by your prodigal child, not by the challenges in the workplace or elsewhere, not by your health and physical pain, but think I'm connected to the life of Christ and his joy is available to me. And to realize that Christ wants his fullness of joy in you. An encouragement to access the unwavering joy of Christ by defining our life by our connection to him. You're listening to The Journey with Steve DeWitt in the conclusion of a message called Joy is a Gospel Fruit. You can access the full message online at thejourney.fm. Well, in a world filled with challenges and uncertainties, it's great news to know that God is intimately involved in our lives, working to renew us, refresh us, and fill us with joy. It's a reminder that despite our human tendencies toward despair, we have a constant and eternal companion in God who will never leave us. This truth is a source of great joy and strength in our journey of faith. And that's why here on The Journey, we share the gospel with men and women around the country each and every day. But as a listener-supported ministry, we need your help to keep going. It's your financial gifts that help keep this Bible teaching program on the radio and web, reaching listeners with the eternal truth of God's Word. So would you consider giving today? You can call us at 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763. Or give online at thejourney.com. 
anchor.fm. As a thank you for your generous gift, we'll send you The Upper Room. It's written by best-selling author John MacArthur. This remarkable book offers a biblical exploration of the last words spoken by our Lord during his final moments with his disciples. This book will help readers find solace and strength, embracing the truth of God's Word and the comfort of His presence in our fallen world. You can request your copy today by calling 844-7-JOURNEY. That's 844-756-8763 or visit thejourney.fm. And while you're there, be sure to sign up to receive updates from The Journey. Just enter your name and email in the box at the bottom of the page. And join us for worship this weekend at Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana. That's where Pastor Steve is the senior pastor. You'll find directions and more at BethelWeb.org. Well, I'm your host, Tim Svoboda. Be sure to join us next time for more teaching from Pastor Steve DeWitt here on The Journey. Today's program was produced and furnished by Bethel Church in Crown Point, Indiana.